to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And today, we're going to talk about the digestive system. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but not just in the normal way, because I'm sure you could look that up on Wikipedia. Um, but we're going to talk about it as a metaphor, because in just a couple days, we're actually having the opening of Guts. So Guts is opening in this Friday, uh, April 17th from 7 to 10 p.m. If any of you is your local and want to stop by for the big party. Uh, we have over 60 artists that have made incredible, incredible pieces. I've been sharing them all week with you guys and lots of really fun prints and originals. Our guest artist, Lana Crooks, has about 30 pieces that she made of her own that are lots of felted uh, taxidermy sculptures, lots of really fun like bird skulls and things like that. So we're excited to unveil the entire project to you guys this Friday. That's awesome. And then we also, I think, have a couple other things coming up, don't we, Chris? Another game night, perhaps? Um, yep, we do. We do. And I once think again, I haven't posted it, so I haven't Thanks, figured Jenny. out the I'm dates. glad you know that. I believe it is. <laughs> That's yep. Game night on the 23rd. And last game night was a lot of fun, um, and more fun will be had at the next one. Yes. Yeah, so you're going to have uh, digestive-themed We could play I operations. Could. I definitely could. We could play Sushi Go which someone brought to the last game night. That's cute. We could play food theme games. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I have some. Operation is a good one. It, it is. It's not necessarily food theme. Except we have for you've got to find the old Operation because <laughs> oh. I played the new Operation at my sister's house and she has a baby. And the new Operation is for dummies. Is it they like made, big enough for a baby's hand yeah, to go it's in basically, there and reach yeah, a, yeah, a it's, funny bone? The things are way bigger and then it's like they have a cell phone in their That's stupid. elbow that or stupid. something. I would take SpongeBob operation over cell phone operation. SpongeBob operation was good and I believe it was really hard too. Good. It should be hard and it should scare the crap out of everybody. That's just <laughs> that's what that Oh yeah, and then I don't even it. think it buzzes anymore. It just kind of like lightly glows. That's stupid. And it that doesn't is... go like Meh. I know the whole point is so that you like hit the edge and your whole body freaks out and you throw yeah. the pieces into Did the Did it air. shock you or was it just no, my No, it was just loud. It was loud. Did it sh- vibrate too? Kind of, I, I think so. I feel like it did. I feel like yeah. I remember a tactile sensation in that game. <laughs> Maybe your 9-volt battery was like a little weird. Yeah. You Maybe were, you know how there's you like a little rubber grip, grip. Maybe if you take that rubber grip off, you get the shock. Probably. Oh, maybe because it's like brunt. tweezers. Yeah. I don't know. You Probably just put not. tweezers in the operation Maybe game. Maybe I was just afraid of it. Yeah. Well, maybe yours was like from like the 60s or something and it was like all fried. Anyway, we'll find that that, <laughs> that one and bring it. And I'm sure there'll be a bunch of other like science and or food themed games. Well, to be clear, that's not the theme of the game. <laughs> it's not? Oh, it's not? No. What you is just it? said that. I don't know who said that. Yeah, no, I said that because I thought it would be appropriate. <laughs> uh, okay, well, maybe it will be. I'll think about it if I have a game that fits that theme. Okay, that's good. And then we also, I think, have a... We have a very special workshop coming up on April 25th from 1 to 3.30 p.m. We have invited local artist and maker Cleo Malone to teach a workshop on crocheting underwater coral, which will be very fun. So if you guys have ever wanted to learn how to crochet, want to learn some new patterns, or just have a fun afternoon, you can stop by. Um, you can find the workshop on shop.likeartlab.com. And we want to give a special shout out to Cascade Yarns and Blue Sky Alpaca Yarns. They've donated a bunch of really fun stuff that you guys get to play with this time. Lots of beautiful colors. Um, so definitely come and participate with us. It'll be a lot of fun on a nice Saturday afternoon. In the midst of all of these awesome topics that are coming up for the Gut Show, you guys will probably learn a whole bunch from these uh, lovely artists. Many people are doing things based on technology or biology. And speaking of biology, I thought that this might be a great place to start. So often we've kind of made the analogy between creating a exhibition Mm-hmm. Creating an exhibition? An exhibition. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, English. And cooking some food are often very similar. Did you know that? I guess I... yeah. Okay, well, let me explain it just in case anybody hasn't heard me say this before. Oftentimes when we're sitting here and we're brainstorming for different things, um, we take on the Iron Chef persona. Three Iron Chefs sitting around wanting to cook. <laughs> I am Morimoto. I don't know who I am. What are you? Are you the wait, are you the one that yells something? Uh, no. Oh, doesn't he yell something at the beginning? Are you talking of the about show? the Japanese one? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, there's there's <laughs> there's Chairman. Uh, 
I can't remember their names now. Chairman. I remember the, yeah, there's the guy who bites the pepper at the beginning and then he like smiles at the camera. That's who you are? No, I'm Morimoto. He's one of the original chefs. Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's good. All right. I'm glad that you picked a chef that you want to be. Yep. And then we're just the chefs that have no names in the background. (laughs) So, but we think about it and we're like, okay, well, there's so many things that we could possibly cook and we're itching to cook something. And we think to ourselves, what possible amount of ingredients does it take to make something delicious two three a (laughs) hundred i'm not really sure and it comes to a point where all of these wonderful ingredients which my weird analogy is also ingredients are lovely people interested in participating somehow Mm -hmm. and we say oh my gosh look at all these great ingredients what do we do what do we make out of this and we have to go through a selection process where we say mm-hmm. a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And eventually, we have all of our stuff on like our food making table, whatever that's called. Yeah, they like a lift up a, <laughs> what is that? They lift up like a pan and then all the artists are underneath. <laughs> They're all on ice. And we're like, ooh, fresh. And so it, <laughs> then, we, then we take all of those things and we go through the process of Starting to craft the best, most delicious something that we could possibly craft out of all of the things underneath that pan. I don't think it's called a pan. What is that thing called? It's like a dome with a handle on it. Jenny's doing a motion. <laughs> I have just no idea. It up. <laughs> over and over again. And, and so, okay, so here's. It's a serving platter. No, it's not. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. A butler would have one. Yeah. Yes. And then they would lift it up, and then there'd be a bunch of steam, and then the steam would dissipate, and there'd be like a bean. And a bunch of artists. <laughs> That's there. not the artist. A bean and a bunch no, of I'm artists. I'm just showing how it would be used in a cartoon. Oh, okay. All right. And then we'd slice a bean into small strips, and yep. you would get a piece, and you would get a piece, and I would <laughs> probably eat the rest of it. But, okay. So anyway, like I'm saying, sometimes you don't really know what you're going to make until you look in the fridge, and you're like, okay. I'm going to make, actually today, I told Jenny this on the walk to go get an iced tea. Today, I had a piece of bread and a bunch of olives and some old cheese from the opening. It was delicious. And that's what I ate today. Cool. Yeah. And that's what I, and there was some other weird, funky stuff in the fridge that I think I left alone. It's probably like five months old. However, I'm getting off track. When you sit there and you're, you're making up your meals, right? And you're flavoring it with this and you're making that. There's probably a million kinds of sandwiches that I could have made out of those three things. Is there? I don't know. Is there? <laughs> Seems I like mean, the only sandwich. You maybe make like is a, a different. Like you could have blended sandwich. it together, and then you would have had like paste. a smoothie. A smoothie. You could blend anything <laughs> together. I'm just saying, there's probably like four <laughs> forms of the sandwich. All right, maybe we taken. need more than three. <laughs> three ingredients, but like, say you did have a yeah. hundred ingredients, yeah. right? You probably make a bunch of stuff yeah. out of that, right? You probably make a whole meal out of it. A dish right. of this, a dish of that, a smoothie over here, a sandwich over there, maybe a pastry over here know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. anyway and so then we get this palatable wonderful beautiful thing so all all of our hard work if you look at the end result should be several of the following qualifications an olive cheese sandwich yeah besides (laughs) that thing that i can make it's like the only thing i can make as a real food but like in my metaphor food what you can make is hopefully delicious Hopefully presentable, right? Yes. Enticing. Mm-hmm. Aesthetically pleasing. Aromatic. Nutrition. Null. <laughs> <laughs> Nutritionist. What's the word I'm looking for? Full full of nutrition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the texture, which is a thing Jenny always has to make sure is yeah. appropriate. Yep. So there's all these different kinds of things that you have to think of. And like the ultimate meal or the ultimate dish would have all these things being to perfection, you mm-hmm. know. And so when you think about like the presentation of one of our art shows, that's my weird analogy that I had to tell you about again. Okay. I feel like that analogy could have flown a lot higher had it not started with Olives those and- three ingredients. <laughs> I was just telling you the sandwich okay. that I made today. Well, as we were talking about a little bit ago, like the presentation of these things 
it takes such a long time. Like when I do watch any sort of Iron Chef, they spend a ridiculous amount of time making like a piece of chocolate flake that's going to rest on top of a strawberry that's melted with a blowtorch that's caramelized and whatever. And so the presentation is so perfect and then the consumption is really quick. It's just like an instantaneous, it's gone or it's as soon as you touch your spoon to it, it's dissolved and so it's a similar process where like the lead up to something is so big and then the actual enjoyment phase is fast and furious that makes sense well when i was thinking about this one of the pieces that's in the show coming up you've Mm -hmm. you put a preview on it yeah actually the other day by ann mcarion ann's piece has a tuna that's been chopped up into a bunch of different pieces for different kinds of sushi right Mm -hmm. or different kinds of things that you can make with it and mm-hmm. of course if your if your presentation is a certain kind of sushi you're only going to use a sliver off the front or a sliver off the back and the rest of the fish eyeballs and all never gets presented to the person you know what i'm saying so there's all this stuff that probably goes through like the process phase that is perfectly good but never quite gets there i had a teacher who had a very rational like approach to art making and she was like you have your idea You think of all the possibilities and then you cut out all of the fat, cut out every single thing that's extraneous that you don't need. And then you present this very precise and very like cohesive thing at the end and that's it. And like nothing else matters. But as we were thinking about this like digestive track, I think fat can be either like a horribly horrible thing or a really good thing depending on the circumstances. So let me ask you about that. So when you think about fat as like a an ingredient in whatever you're eating Mm -hmm. do you have a positive or a negative reaction i'm i'm all about it i feel like butter on everything is fantastic i will eat all sorts of delicious creamy things like i have to have some sort of milk in my coffee or whatever else Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah and that's a very different experience and if you take all that stuff out of there even the difference between ritz crackers like the low fat version like a regular one it's just different <laughs> like so, the buttery ones and the ones yeah, that taste like yeah the cardboard piece cardboard piece yeah yeah so like when you think about art making what do you think about taking out all the fat chris like do you think that somebody has to give make such a precise like thing that none of that like enticing like you know super i don't flavorful... know what she means by taking out the fat entirely i think probably in general it's a good practice yeah to take um, it out because I think what I've got out of that is you take out everything that doesn't matter. And the fat in that case is not the flavorful fat. It is the way you down fat. And So let me ask you a question about that. So if that's the case and you have a very precise idea, I think sometimes like the flavorful fat or like the way you down fat, like the fat of it sometimes is the relatability to a topic. For example... We could completely talk about biology and very specific biology for the Guts exhibition. But what we also did was we left it open to much more consumable biology by telling people, like, it is okay to do a scientific drawing that is vaguely scientific and much more about, like, the representational elements of a bird or something. Or if you want to take like a really complex theme and teach somebody something about something, you could do it that way. But I think having that that palatable, friendly, like I know what that is kind of a thing is sort of helpful in a lot of ways. And so sometimes I feel like adding on a little bit of fat makes it a little bit easier for people to f- figure out what it is and what they're supposed to do with it. There's a Swedish museum just a couple blocks down and it's amazing. And they have a restaurant in there called, is it Fika or Fika? I think it might be Fika. Fika. It's really awesome. And it, the presentation of all of the food there is just like you kind of described, Jenny. You get a big white plate that's like 50 times bigger than your food piece. And then they give you a little tiny green square of moose fluff that you have no idea what's in it. And then on top of that are little cubed pieces of salmon, I think. And then a drizzle of some white something and like a tiny dill piece, you know. And you're like, that's amazing. But if you, without the menu, sometimes you would have no idea what that was. 
the presentation of that really beautiful, interesting thing is definitely, once, once you stick it in your mouth, you're going to be like, oh my God, it's amazing. It's really good. But I think sometimes that presentation can be very interesting for people to, to approach it. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, when I was talking about fat, I was thinking like there's the two versions, which makes sense why you would want to cut these out. Like the one version, which I do agree with is you, you should not make anything that has like a gimmick. Like it shouldn't be gimmicky. It should not have like an illustration with like the door cut out where it pops open and something falls out or something like that. Something horrible where you're like, this isn't necessary. It takes away from the entirety of the project because um, it has a gimmick or maybe it's a pop pop art or pop culture thing that you're like it's good but it's not original because it's connected to all these other things it it has like the baggage from all this other stuff and you could have done it totally different the other version of fat which I think is interesting as a concept is the it's so over the top and so ridiculous everything is gilded and everything is like beautiful and it's a once in a lifetime experience it is like the thousand dollar sandwich or like the thousand dollar like I don't know, box of chocolates or something where you're like, I would only get this once and it would be satisfying enough to be like, I did this this once in my life and so I could tell people about it and I remember it forever because of like the huge expense it was to be a part of it or to contribute, you know? Like how over the top it was. Yes, it was so ridiculous that you're like, this is unforgettable. So I mean, But I think in both of those cases, it is exactly what it needs to be for the experience. When I think about the fat... Here's uh-huh. two examples what I think of immediately. The first one that I think about is editing a film uh-huh. and uh, cutting the fat because editing the film is usually you shoot a billion hours and then you edit down to three hours and then you edit down to two hours and then you edit down to an hour and a half and then you edit down to an hour and 27 minutes and then 24 minutes and then 23.25. And each time you're cutting out anything that doesn't need to be there, you know, and there's a difference between having shot it and being like, this is something we thought should be in the movie. And then really realizing that like, this does not help the movie. It does not do anything that the rest of it didn't do. Um, and I just think of that first because you're physically like, I mean, in the olden days, you were physically cutting out pieces of film. You yeah. know, you were, and so that's what I think of when I think of cut the fat, but maybe more relatable to us and to the people involved in these shows is your portfolio. It's everyone's first assumption is I made this. This drawing I made shows that I could draw this finger really well. This drawing I made shows that I could draw this tree in the background really well. Or this is my most recent thing. Or this is my most recent thing. And they just want to put everything in because everything has something to them that is important. But as a whole, it is a fatty, bloated portfolio. If they were to cut it down to maybe the best six images, it would be an amazing portfolio. Uh, so in terms be... of flavor, though, I mean, there's some times when you want to put some of that stuff in that is really kind of the thing that makes you unique, you know, or like a flavoring, like I'm going to keep talking about fat as flavor, you know? Yeah, but like, I, I was sometimes thinking... it's like you do this so well, like you draw flowers so well, that's like your thing. And although you've got a million flowers in your portfolio, maybe that is what you do. Maybe that's the flavoring of like your your portfolio maybe well i think like especially in view of portfolios anytime i see like sculpture drawing painting illustration design and like like they have six to ten categories on their portfolio that's the first clue that they are either just starting out or don't know what they want to do or don't know what they're doing like if they categorize their work as um as nothing as just like mixed media or that they do a variety of things it would feel different than like breaking everything down into so many categories would like, you what suggest do you do? doing it by series then maybe that would make more sense than doing like being like this is where i'm at today and this is what i'm interested in as far as formats but having yeah. so many things you're like you you can i'm not gonna say you cannot be but you cannot be good at 20 different mediums and it shows that you're just like dabbling around and don't have like a serious practice, you know? Well, like that's it's fine hard. to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. What is it like you're throwing pasta at the wall? Isn't mm-hmm. that the other analogy? Well, I think, or whatever? yeah. And I think the thinking behind that is like, I have one time done a series of ceramic work. I'm going to include that on there because maybe someone is going to see them. And or then maybe the hire concept was the thing that you were really trying to show. Right. But I think in, the, in that case, I think 
like Jenny was saying, you'd probably break it into project and mm-hmm. you'd be like, this is a series and you wouldn't break it out by here's all of my ceramics. I mean, maybe you would. I don't know. But I think that's, yeah. No, I mean, I think you guys are right. I think it's just really hard to know, especially, and I understand why mm-hmm. you can recognize that it is somebody who's very new is because you have no idea what you're going to be recognized for. And yeah. usually like success breeds more things in that vein yeah it's just well nature do right? you think and this is a weird question but do you think you're a flavor person like as opposed to a texture person no no no. as opposed <laughs> to like cut out the fat person i like flavoring i well that's a good i'm trying to think of you this. seem more well, here's on an the example. defense of the flavor yeah you do I, um, I kind I, of am. I think maybe it's just because I like, think there's a place for the fat. And for instance, if I go to somebody's website, I want to see the best of the best. And that's what I want to see. But then they can have a link to their Tumblr or a link to their blog. And in the blog, I expect that's where I expect the fat. That's where you I can see all their ingredients process. And I expect all the pieces that the they might have fish. finished, but they aren't their gems, you know, like the things that they might not have made it to the portfolio. But there's a place for that. But as far as presenting the actual project, so for instance, if Jenny's teacher was specifically talking about like a gallery installation or something like that, mm-hmm. the gallery ins- installation would be exactly what it needs to be and nothing more. But there mm. could be some sort of documentation of a process book or something like that. And that's where the fat would be contained. Do you think maybe that's why I prefer looking at blog? And I don't want anybody out there who listens to this to think that that's how I jury everything. But I do yeah. look at your blog. Yeah. And I love seeing people's process because I think you get a lot more about who that person is and how they work and what their their potential everything is because I do feel like polished presentation is good, but I feel like to understand the a creative mind of a person, you have to see their messy desk and their failures and the stuff that wasn't so good. Right. And but I think that's a follow up to the initial thing. Yeah. For instance, if you were telling someone, if you were instructing a student to send off their portfolio for their internship at Target or something, mm-hmm. would you just be like throw in every project you did at school or would you have a no. very manicured only show the things that pertain present to you them. in a good light and pertain to them? Right. Yeah. But what I would say is while you're showing that, if you ever get a one on one let somebody, and this is exactly what I say to every single person, like let them stare at your portfolio because your art speaks for itself mm-hmm. and then talk about how you did it and why you did it and what process you have learned in this particular project that pertains to the process of life and or business and or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think that my reality for how I get jobs is in talking and in process. And that's really funny. I mean, I am probably one of those people. I am one of those people, actually. If you take a look at my website, you'll see I can't narrow down to a thing because I don't just do one thing. But I do think that people looking at the projects that I've done give them a little better Yeah, but your personal website is more a reflection of your personality unless a... You would never send a client to your personal website. No, but I'm sure they go there. Right, but they would go to Paper Bicycle, which has a fairly, you know, pared down selection. I mean, we have made like literally hundreds of thousands of things probably. And on that website, there's, you know. A handful of random stuff. 10 or 15 projects or something. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's just so funny because I I do think it's good for for you guys to to have this conversation with me i'm not going to say fight with me because we're not really (laughs) fighting but i do think it's good because i bet you there's a ton of people that probably say you know what that's it you're 10 pieces and that's it nothing else i don't want to see your weird doodles i don't want to see like what you did on the weekend yeah i like what chris was saying you said the phrase like containing the fat and i super like that idea that you would say like the blog or whatever you're using as the container. You're like, this is the container for the fat and it all goes here and it doesn't belong anywhere else. And maybe like a very special process book or project would include all the fat or some of the fat or just be the fattiest thing. And then I would ever. eat it and I'd <laughs> yeah. be like, mm, nom, nom, nom. so, but I, I think, I mean, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. As long as there's a place for it, I feel like the people who want to go that deep into who you are and what you do will have the opportunity. And I think that's, Maybe maybe self-indulgent for me and anybody else that thinks like I do, but especially for hiring for a full-time job, I think 
definitely process. So freelance is probably a very different thing. I think people want to see the final, final, final. But in terms of like... Well, except for us because we're in long-term relationships with people where we do not turn around one illustration and true. we're done. We're doing that makes sense. collections and usually multiple seasons and things like that. Yeah. So they, in that case, they often care more about our process because they are going to have to be working with us for a long time. And, and it's we not, do switch things back and forth, like yep, different it, types of projects. It's very collaborative. But I also think that each project has the certain amount of fat that we can, can be included and it's just dependent on the project. I used to do drawings in, like a long time ago that remember I did that like 40 foot by five foot drawing. Yeah. And it was nothing but fat. It was just like the whole point was just the amount of stuff. And, you know, if you looked at any one part, it wouldn't be that amazing or whatever, but it was just like this barf of ideas and, <laughs> and drawings and concepts and that's what I like and trains of thought. Sketchbooks. You yeah, know, and that's like, and that's what is. I'm teaching illustrated notebook, and that I mean you would love to look through those because they are just like these explosions, brain of dump, brain dumps, and experimentation, and feeling uncomfortable, and then feeling comfortable, and then trying new things, and then you know kind of getting interested that. in something, and you can sort of follow threads through it, and um, I think it's and good that, that is that like all happens. fat. And, and that's the thing. I mean, and that's I think, the point of that class. Exactly. And, and I think the reason why you teach that class or the point of that class in general, like you said, is to be able to have a place for that and to be able to put it down. I think for the longest time, and I still fight with myself over it, and even though I say I like looking at everybody else's like process and sketches and stuff like that, I have an incredibly hard time committing to a sketchbook and just playing because it doesn't feel like playing. It feels like stress. And a lot of times when I'm sketching, if I know somebody's going to look in there, I feel like I'm in my underwear and then everybody's like taking a peek. Who's going to look in there though? Yeah. Well, I don't know why I feel like that. It's just, <laughs> it's just how I feel. You know what I'm saying? I know there's plenty of people that think that when they do a sketch, it's got to be perfect. And so you can see it when I'm feeling that way or when anybody else is feeling that way. You get that rigid kind of like super careful. What am I doing? You know? And like it's embarrassed. Like... I'll just, I'm just admitting this. I don't know if you guys feel like this at all, but when I'm sketching and I can't get something right, it doesn't feel like exploration. It feels like my, my anxiety level goes up. My, like, my thought about how good I am goes down. (laughs) And I, and the more like sketchiness that happens in a lot of my stuff, like I go through this, this like kind of panic mode you know and you'll i think you can see it in some people's sketchbooks too where you're embarrassed by not getting it on the first try not everybody's like that but i think there's a whole handful of people that are really not comfortable with their own process yet or it just is a part of who they are you know i i'm still working through it there have only been a couple sketchbooks in my life where i've actually felt really confident and it's usually at the end of one if I get there, mm-hmm. you know, because by then it's more about how many things can drown out the bad ones. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's so much stuff in there yeah. that you don't look at every single one. But when you start a new sketchbook and you're looking at a blank page and you're drawing, you're just like, if this is not good, someone's going to watch me start to sketch and they're going to be like, what you doing? And then you're like, oh, my God, don't even look at this because I don't know what, you know. Right, I guess. I mean, I think that's probably your personality. I think that I feel the opposite. Really? I don't feel the opposite because I don't go around being like, check out my sketchbook, man. Look at check my it stuff. out. But yeah. I feel like my sketchbook, and maybe this is just the same reason I did that 40 foot drawing or whatever, is it's just kind of like a collection of thoughts and memories or whatever. So when I look through a sketchbook, I enjoy looking. If somebody's looking at it, I'll like, they'll see something. And because I just draw. It's not like super weird, but it's kind of non sequitur. Sometimes things are just like weird and you'd be like, oh, that was this one time. And I can like recall the time and place and ideas that were happening when I did that drawing. And I, and it's, none of them are very good. I mean, I. But you're not like held to this, like, this like fear that people are judging you. I don't think that sketchbooks are like a place that are meant to be judged. I don't think they are either, but I have a hard time letting go of that. How do you feel when people look through your stuff? Do you make mm. excuses for like why does something doesn't look quite finished? No, or I like... think a lot of the time my sketchbook is more writing than drawing. Like it does have drawing in there, and every once in a while, like if I'm doing something specific for a project, there'll be lots of drawing. Um, but I also don't let people look through it very often. The cool thing though it's is, I was... you're just writing, and you're like some 
boner sitting over there like looking like a dink and then he comes over <laughs> and he's like what are you drawing can i look in your sketch and you're like and oh you're my god like, no. i just wrote this note about you <laughs> then you throw yeah, it, it real quick. no the cool thing is i was thinking about your class chris and like if i relate it back to fat again like even though it's just like garbage you know you're just like drawing not that your class is garbage that drawings are like they're not going anywhere they're just sort of existing for the purpose of being a part of and like getting your hand out there and getting work it's out being comfortable with yeah doing well, the thing that i'm not comfortable the, with it's like the fat yeah. reserve like when you don't have an idea you can yeah come you can back go and back like to it become nourished by this thing that you did a long time ago yeah, even yeah, though yeah. at the time it was nothing Ooh, mm, fat reserve i yeah. i like that that's like uh bear hibernation time Sounds yeah like a podcast yeah title. so when yeah. you're like going through a dry time yeah um, actually that makes sense that completely uh, makes sense. Like Oregon <laughs> you Trail. Didn't like that. I like that. I like that a lot. You didn't like that. Chris made a squinty face, like he was disgusted <laughs> because we're like, mm. I don't know. But I, I uh, feel like that that makes sense. What were you gonna say? <laughs> I am a firm believer of get your bad drawings out. If every drawing you do, you expect it to be amazing, then then you will probably feel a lot of anxiety because I I think doing bad drawings is just fine. So I don't, when I look at somebody's sketchbook, I expect to see some fun things, but I also expect to see a lot of bad things too. And I think if you're only drawing things that you're good at drawing and that you know how to draw, then you will probably not grow a ton because you're just going to draw the same things. Over yeah. Well, over that over. makes sense. But also like, you know, some people say they draw for fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like you know how I Francesca. said that like that? Like Francesca, yeah. yeah. There's some people that are like, my pencil's moving. I'm feeling good. I don't care what this is. And then there are other people that are like, this is insufferable. Right. <laughs> I like looking at it when it's finished and being proud of myself when I've conquered it. But it is an uphill battle the entire time I am drawing. Yeah. That's how I feel most of the time. I like it when it's polished and nice and like i definitely you know what i'm can saying? feel like that yeah and i think yeah. i think it's things like deadlines and uh expectations and and like when you're doing one because you have to i guess you're saying t- just for fun but i i probably don't I, f- I feel similar to you i don't feel quite as stressed out by it but i also sketch all the time during meetings like when i used to have jobs where we would just have meetings and things all the time i drew constantly and i probably did more drawing when i had jobs where i wasn't drawing all the time just because i would always be drawing during meetings and that was like my way of stress relief it wasn't even stress i mean i didn't not like the meetings but it was just like my hands had to be doing something and i had to be drawing and that and that's when you said like the the act of putting pen to paper or whatever um, well, see, and that's the funny. Okay, so I would draw on I, cups and receipts when I worked at a restaurant. Like I would draw on everything I could find all the time. And I'll take it back. It's not like it's not everything that makes me feel that way. I think what I really like is when the the compositions figured out. Like, let me back up for a second. The planning stages of a project that is an illustration or a pattern or something like that is the hard part. The sketching part is a hard part. The The idea making is yeah, the hard part. Yeah, you always part. like the execution. I like sitting there and coloring it in. I like sitting there and inking it. I like sitting there and... You and like rendering. Fin- I love rendering things to death. I'll render somebody else's artwork. You will artwork. render some fat. I will render some fat until it's the most delicious <laughs> fat. But it's true. It's That's the process that I like. So yeah, I like scribbling around, but I like it after I've figured out the hard part. You know what I mean? See, mm-hmm. we should. I don't know why we don't do any collaborative work because I always just like doing the first part. Well, you know, back in the day when I actually, when I went to college, I went to be in... <laughs> <laughs> when you actually went to college. When I actually went to college, I went there to be an inker. You mean a tracer? Oh my God, Chris! We're not in the '90s anymore. <laughs> so it's a mall rats joke, Ugh. or some no? It's a Kevin chasing Smith, Amy, Ch- whatever. Kevin Smith. Okay, something I thought about. you were the expert of Kevin Smith. Everything. So I was in the '90s, maybe. I know, and you're also the expert of Tommy Boy. Would you like to recite that whole? Would you like to recite Billy Madison to us because you did that like five? Well, Jenny times. said she hadn't seen it, so I think I have. I was just confused. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that later. However. You know, that's why I like doing it. Somebody had already figured that part out. And like, you know, there's a bunch of jokes about it. You know, like you said, I don't think anybody in the art world would say that. 
some rando would probably say that about inking because inking is a, a thing that you do that mm -hmm. also requires all sorts of understanding of lighting and you know depth and everything else but man but it was it's so comfortable and it's so nice it's just that's the part that i like the best you also never mind what <laughs> <laughs> okay are you, are you gonna talk about mall rats no i was gonna talk about doing puzzles i like making puzzles okay <laughs> that's all <laughs> Okay, so... It's like the picture's there. You just have to, like, flesh it out. Yeah, you just have to put it back together. That's my favorite thing. So, speaking of that... Okay, so we're back to way, way, way back where we've presented this luxurious presentation. Fat globule. No. No, oh. no, no. This is food, the... This food. is the, like, food as okay. art. Oh, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. You were holding, like, your hands in a cup or something. <laughs> It's well, that, it could have been a bowl of soup or something, but like when you you sit you in front of the judges, you put this thing down, and you watch them eat it, and you are staring as they are picking up their fork and scraping a small bit of the green square off that you just <laughs> baked out of mm -hmm. a whatever and a whatever, and they're putting it in their mouth, and you watch their face. Sorry, I got so excited about. Pantomime, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that's the part where when people walk into the gallery and I'm watching their face to see how they're going to experience this thing that we've made as a team, mm -hmm. and with all the people that are involved and all the ingredients and all of the process and all the cutting out the fat or adding some back in or whatever it is that we put in there. When somebody finally starts to consume this thing, there is like that moment of anticipation where you're trying to figure out how they're like, is it a good experience? And when Jenny and I were talking earlier, we said something like, like you put it in your mouth after, okay, nope. Before you put it in your mouth, you look at it and you're like, is that a, is that a nice presentation? Yeah. And then you put it in your mouth. And you're beginning, you're beginning to taste it. You can smell it. You can, you're chewing it, or maybe you're not so chewing it. And there's all these different sensory things, like you said, that are kind of coming up. And you're like, this texture could be disgusting, <laughs> or this smell could be really bad, like a smelly cheese. But then it's really delicious here. You know, mm -hmm. there's like every single type of experience. And once somebody goes through the gallery and they're actually standing in front of it, you could watch that experience happen, which is really kind of interesting. We're lucky because we get to see that happen. Mm -hmm. And we learn a lot from it, not only in creating an experience, but also in creating projects. But I'd be really interested in hearing either your guys' perspectives or maybe we'll talk to some people after the podcast and what that's got to be like when you release an illustration into the world or a design into the world and you never get to see anybody interact with it whatsoever. You might, like us, for product design, you, you sometimes hear the sales. Yeah, I feel like our equivalent to that is... They talk about sales numbers a lot. And so. they're like, this is the best seller. We don't hear it as much now that we're not in-house. But when I was in-house at various places, they would, you know, or actually I did. Yeah, I designed something last year and it was like, they're talking about it was their number one seller, which is a good thing to hear. Yeah. But, but I mean, you think occasionally about it. you design something and then they're like, yeah, that went over really poorly. And it's not really necessarily a reflection on the design as much as the design for the audience, maybe. There's a million things that could have gone wrong. The texture, the flavor, the whatever. You Where know what it was I mean? put in the store. Yeah. I what time of we're, year? We're on two different metaphors. But <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever. Right, but you know what I mean? Year when it was, yeah. So do you think, like, somebody who does freelance illustration, for example, and they send their stuff off to their magazine and their magazine puts it out and then you hear crickets? Or do you hear from your art director? But I think you, don't need, you don't get to watch somebody experience... It. Turn yeah. the page and be like, oh, I like oh, this. That's very nice. Ooh, this article is. Yeah. How do you. I think in this day and age, people get way more feedback than they probably ever used to because there was not a place to really share it for immediate feedback besides an instant group of friends or something like that. At Minicon, we, we talked with Michael Whalen and he, he's been doing this for 30 years or so. And he was just talking about how he is intimidated by the size of the market now and how it must be really difficult. But at the same time, uh, it was a little bit easier back then because there was less competition as well, but he would do things and it would just go in a magazine and there was no like online forum to share it in. There was no, there was no direct link to any type of, um, 
kind of uh, consumer, whereas yeah. I still think there's probably not, but at least you can share it with your peers a little bit easier. So there's just like less noise or like less stuff happening. Well, it's kind of like feedback. And I think you used to get feedback. Okay. So maybe back in the day, yeah, you would get feedback about product design on a quarterly report or something like that. Like somebody yeah. would say last year or this or this season, this sold really well. Whereas now they have like up to the minutes, like Analytics. every time one is scanned yeah. somewhere, they have pre-sales, they have online hits, they have all these things and they can really like have a better idea of what's happening with it. In a timely manner. In a timely manner, but I'm not sure that helps all that much. Well, and that's why I was thinking like maybe there is kind of a similar thing for people who are doing a different kind of art. I mean, that's the funny thing, you know, like all of our our awesome artists that do concept art for something, like their actual artwork doesn't right doesn't get seen get seen yeah unless there's an art book or something like that in that case you can get feedback about that but you know you you can get sales of the game like how'd the game do you know or how'd the animation do do you think everybody wants that feedback though i think a lot of people do i you don't want to know how you're doing i you don't think that dictates what you do next at all would that dictate what you did next if somebody said jenny this is the best thing you've ever done and you heard that from like i hate compliments so then i usually don't know how to respond to that i'm like (laughs) why don't you just go away i don't know i think think like a very specific amount of critique would be helpful but also like all the other stuff all the extra like i don't need to know how it was reacted to in like all the different forms and how it was reacted to in like like personally i don't need to know how it did in like every single stage of its being you know like i I guess it depends on the project that you're doing too well one situation where we did get feedback the other day was people were playing role models at glitchcon oh yeah and i got to watch people play and you watch their faces. actually that was like a non-stop weekend of watching people interact with interact with our stuff because we got to watch their faces while they play role models and dream arcade and great personality and it was just me there so i was just like like they're excited because of course the art's really good and everything (laughs) like that but there's also that like are they going to get stuck? Are, you know, I'm sure video game developers deal with this all the time where oh. they, somebody gets stuck and they can't figure out how to get through a door and they're just like, why is this per- wh- Let's not let dumb people play our games anymore. You know, it's kind of, but it's kind Aww. of, it's so like. So was your panic in that you were like, te- like technology is going to fail me here and somebody's going to be like, you made this game. What's wrong with you? No, or- but Dream Arcade is like unforgiving for a game the amount of finesse the person has while they're playing. They you can, mean like they can get stuck. how good they are with the arrow keys or whatever? Well, yeah, we had a controller, but how good they oh. are using Oops. a controller. Yeah. Um, Role Models is a really simple game, but it also does rely on an understanding of the hierarchy of poker hands. And tactics. Yeah, but I mean, like, the, the fundamental, like, battle system is resolved by comparing hands that are similar to poker hands, right? Yeah. And if somebody has no idea about poker hands, it's a lot harder for them to wrap their head around this concept. So, like, their learning curve is a lot steeper than someone who is intimately familiar with those. And it's, I mean, they're off to the races in no time. Whereas, so when you have a group of three people, four people who have never played the game together, they've, they're just sitting down to play it. So, so did you have a lot of critique or was it more like watching people's reactions? As the no, I mean, they had a lot of fun. They really liked it. I think like two people bought it who were playing it and somebody already owned it or something. Well, that's but... positive reinforcement. Yeah. I mean, when when you're talking about not liking to get feedback, was it just that you're like, you you just want, don't want to be there? And you right, just I just don't want to be there. I, I'm fine getting a report. <laughs> well, I just don't want to hear it personally. I don't want to see it. But it's probably wanna... pretty helpful to see their faces, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it is. And I mean, when I was asking Jenny about like, what if a hundred people told her that that was the best thing she's ever done? What well, if that's fine if they tell me that, but I don't want to hear it to my face. In a, in a small note that somebody passes yep, you under the fine. table. Do that. <laughs> Anonymous <laughs> tip. Well, would it change the way that you did things? If they gave me a small note. Yeah. And they said, they said, say a bunch of people said, this is the best thing you've ever done. Would you keep doing it? Mm, not necessarily no. i probably would i don't think i would i think that the way we work at like rare lab is we do a different project and the projects are determined on what we are interested in doing and i think 
if we listened to what people said, not that people don't say wonderful things, but if we did, we might still be doing Pokemon Battle Royale number six or 106 <laughs> oh my God, or whatever, you know, it's like people really want that to come back. Yeah. And, you know, it, you know, never say never, but I don't think it's going to come back. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay. So, but I do think we learn from every single one of the stuff that And it just depends on how much fun and- we had making it like. Maybe well, now I would go and do another Dream Arcade, but man, like I remember finishing that thing, we were like dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're dead every single time we do everything. <laughs> yeah, but I was gonna say it's I like when people say that we did something that they remember. It's like that thing I was telling you about when they sit there and they're consuming it, and they're closing their eyes and they're smiling and they're just and they just chew it for way too long. You know, <laughs> you're like, wow, we've done a really good job with this thing that people don't want the experience to stop. You're talking about Pokemon Battle Royale number six or something like that. Yeah, there could be a million iterations of that, but it's not like we didn't learn anything from doing that first one. And right. it's not like that didn't snowball into the next dish we made. Right, well, you know? that's, if you were talking about this as far as the as far as the digestive track, like going through the cycle of things. Um, Like, yes, you consume the first thing, but you're never going to remember it quite like it was when you took it in the first time. But what is the remainder? What comes out (laughs) (laughs) is what you take to like the next thing. You're like, this is what was important and this is what we wanted and this is what we learned. And so now what is most interesting to follow forward with? Well, that's a funny thing. I mean, I do remember the experience of tasting something uh-huh. much less or much much more than I remember the experience of being done with it and pooping it out. I mean, I feel like, <laughs> you know, like it's it's one of those things where I'm like, we're done. And then we kind of like, you know, like brush our hands of something. And it's not like we're like, wow, the end of that was the memorable moment. We think about like the opening or we think about working mm-hmm. with the artist or we think mm-hmm. about like the the process that we went through to actually create the experience you know like that yeah. part is interesting but it's funny because i think for a consumer of content like yeah when you're at the opening you're you're tasting the dish it's like when you get, sit down in a restaurant somebody yeah. serves you something okay. but then you end up having this like a good or a bad reaction later you know you're like if you feel full and you're excited and you're like, wow, I want to go back and I want to do that. Or if you're like, wow, I just got food poisoning because that is not sitting well with me. Like that presentation was good, but the content made me feel bad afterwards. Or I never want to, you know, I never want to go through that again. Like there's kind of this like secondary aspect that we always want people to want to try a different dish, right? So I guess the, I was thinking of the difference between the consumer, the person who's actually going to eat it at the end and the person that's making it like for the maker, the, for us, when we're coming up with a concept, like the beginning stages, the tasty stage is like the appeal of the idea. And then the process is the digesting. And then the end is the show. Like that is it is the show. I it's told over. Jenny that we were like human centipede, and then then we all got sad about it upstairs. Yeah, and then we were really like, sad. I should but, mention. And that that's why, thing. like, I would I would remember what came out of it. <laughs> oh my god, I can't stop my analogies. <laughs> okay, I would remember what would come out of it, and that's what what I would take to the next thing because all the things I learned along the way. So you know? you, I mean, you had to go so through the as whole a experience. as a maker. Of yes. things, then that's what I would take away. As a consumer, I would take away the initial experience. And so that makes sense. Okay. I, I'm going to quote um, Tegan, and I'm not sure if this is a quote from something else, but long time ago she did a piece, Tegan White did a piece that says everything is a cycle. And she was talking about life and death cycle, which also makes sense. So we've been talking about the digestive tract as like a, like a thing or food as a thing. But for her, I mean, there's a birth and there's a life and there's a death of something. And then, you know, of course, like you learn from history and that's how life works, right? So I feel like that's the same sort of cycle that we go through every time we go through something. You know, the memories of the last one are what fuels something in the future, mm-hmm. good or bad, you know, or hard or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it always is interesting that presentation of like what we have cooked always changes just a little bit. It's familiar. I don't know. So now we're at, now we're an art restaurant. <laughs> right? Chris likes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I was going to say my my cooking experience, my real cooking experience, you asked me a long time ago if I was a flavor person or not. And yeah. I was thinking about that this whole time. And I just have one last thing to say about that. So I think my my actual cooking is much like my art making. And even though this is kind of out of out of the digestive track context that we were just talking about i did think it was important to mention because i think there might be people out there that have a similar thought to this when i start creating like a food on the stove like a stew or something i actually get really nervous about putting in more ingredients because when it's going well it's going well and seasoning it too much or going overboard too much and Chris is shaking his head because he's always got to pour 50 pounds of salt in every <laughs> stew I make. But, you know, I like yeah. I get nervous that I'm like, well, you can't taste that avocado I threw in there anymore. So now what is it? What stew is this? <laughs> <laughs> the one. That's also, why you never eat my stews, like Chris. <laughs> yeah. I know. Well, Chris never does eat. Well, Lindsay eat like it. pours vegetable broth and a potato and a carrot in and she's like, it's done. And I'm like, this tastes <laughs> like starch or vegetables. No, it tastes yeah. like stew, Chris. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't want like, to mess it, it up. a spice. So Pick you... a spice. Okay. Well, then yeah. he pours like for real, like a pound of salt in it. No, and... I pour whatever I need to make it taste like something. So you add your own experience in there and we were talking about how like somebody else is like here you go i've cut out all the fat this is exactly what this is this is your experience enjoy it and then chris comes and he adds his whole chunk of you know butter on top of it or his whole chunk of salt on top of it and it ends up being like your experience now you Mm -hmm. know like if you came with some weird friends to an opening and they wrecked your time it would probably (laughs) would taint your experience of a of a art show don't you think yeah don't bring your weird friends <laughs> yeah <laughs> or yeah. if you came with some great people and they were good company and it was wonderful and you know like and you consumed it that way you'd probably have a better time i mean so mm-hmm. there's all these things that you bring to this experience that are probably like you know not only what the what you know what your chef has made for you but also like what you bring with you so that is our podcast full of food and digestive tract analogies. I hope you enjoyed all of it. And speaking of enjoying things, where else can you enjoy all the things? You can enjoy all sorts of content on our blog, blog.lightgrayartlab.com. You can enjoy our conversations on Twitter at lightgrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store, stream it directly on Stitcher Radio, and you can find work from current shows and reblogs of a lot of the content that went into the shows at our Tumblr, lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And if you are looking for something fantastic to participate in, keep your eye on the blog because we are going to be posting some really cool new summer stuff very, very soon. So that's a teaser for you. So thanks for listening today, and we'll talk with you soon. We want to give a special thou- uh, shout out, <laughs> a thout out. Uh.